Our scripture text for today comes from 1 Kings, chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, and then jumping down to chapter 3, verses 3 to 14. Listen to God's word. Then David slept with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. The time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked with you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Although I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen. A great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to do what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after. I give you also what you have not asked both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare to you. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. As we can see in this story, Solomon has walked into an established kingdom. David has reigned there in Jerusalem for over 30 years, and now Solomon is given this task of ruling over God's chosen people. But Solomon is walking into a firmly established kingdom, one that has a particular way of doing things, one that trusts King David. So when Solomon walks into this new position as the new king, I'm sure he has to be rather intimidated. He must be feeling inadequate. How is he, Solomon, supposed to lead this kingdom? How can you compete with David? 
The stakes are high and the pressure is on. This isn't just an established kingdom that Solomon has inherited, but this kingdom is made up of God's chosen people. How can he rule God's chosen people? this isn't a scripture passage written for all of us in all of the church today, then I don't know what is. Isn't this how many of us feel? I'm not skilled enough to lead on the session. I can't be a deacon. I have no expertise in being a Sunday school teacher. I don't know how to work with children. I can't pray out loud. So often our excuse is that so-and-so does it better. Or that we can't do it like the person who's always done it. We don't want to disappoint expectations. We don't want to hurt each other's feelings. We don't want to do something because we feel inadequate. Like, we can't do that. Solomon gets it. Solomon is right there with us. Solomon says, I am a little child. I do not know how to come in or to go out. Now, that's a pretty basic task going out and coming in. He's so worked up. He doesn't know how to go out and come in, much less how to be king. Solomon does not know how to rule these people. What's fascinating is that instead of God letting Solomon off the hook and saying, you're right, you don't know how to be the king of these people, instead... God asks Solomon what he needs in order to be king. Often when we feel inadequate, we think that we should simply say no to the request or the position. But maybe that's not true. Maybe we should be asking for God to equip us with what we need in order to do the job instead. Because God is calling us to tasks we are not sufficient for. And God wants to equip us. Now, don't get me wrong. No one should ever, in a million years, offer me a job as a physicist or a mathematician or an astronaut. Because it's simply not how my brain works. God has given me gifts already, and they are not gifts to be a physicist or a mathematician or an astronaut. I can guarantee you that. This passage is not saying, if you pray to God and ask for whatever you want, God will give it to you and you can fulfill your lifelong dream. No, no. There was a time in my life when I was quite young that I wanted to be an astronaut. I was dead set on being an astronaut, and I'm a driven woman. When I set my mind to something, it is going to happen. So my toddler self became my elementary self, and my elementary self became my junior high self, and I was determined to be an astronaut. Thank goodness there were people in my life who looked at me and looked at my scores in math and science and said, no, ma'am, you will not be an astronaut. This is not a passage about us fulfilling our lifelong dreams and being whatever it is that we want. It is a passage about fulfilling God's lifelong (coughs) dream. God asks Solomon what he needs to accomplish what God wants him to do. 
God has already called Solomon to be the king. God wanted him to be a great king who would rule his people with justice. Solomon felt inadequate for the task at hand. But he trusted God's call, and he prayed to God for help. For feelings of inadequacy, God asks Solomon, ask what I should give you. Basically, God says, ask me for what you need. Tell me what it is you need from me before you start your position as king. To the question, Solomon responds that he wants a discerning heart and mind discernment to choose between good and evil. He asks God to help him do what is right in God's eyes, what is in the best interest of God's people. So God gives him wisdom. Are you kidding me? Just like that? Wouldn't we all love to have this dream where God equips us with exactly what we need? I would. Well, God, I've really been struggling with such and such, so if you could just clear that up. And what kind of a lesson would this be to teach your kids? Forget hard work. Pray about it, and God will give it to you, and you'll never have to try hard at anything again. It's not how life works. So something else must be going on here. Let me tell you a story we can use to try to unpack what might be around this story. I love to paint. Unlike my beautiful portrait in the hallway, I really do love to paint. A family one time found out that I love to paint, so they commissioned me to paint a painting for them of their three sons. This piece was huge. Three foot wide by four feet high, I was to paint the portraits of these three boys. I worked tirelessly on this piece for an entire semester. I'd go to school, I'd go to church, I'd write curriculum, and I'd come home and I'd paint all night. 12-hour days, 14-hour days, didn't matter. I was on a mission to finish this painting. Finally, around Christmas time, I had the painting complete and I was so excited. This was the day I was going to deliver it to the family. I couldn't wait to see their reaction and I couldn't wait to receive the paycheck that came with this commissioned painting. I took it to the family. They loved it, which was a relief in and of itself. They were ecstatic. They were thrilled to have this portrait of their three boys up on the mantle of the fireplace it went. And the mother handed me a check. I took it, being nice and polite, and stuck it in my purse to open it later in private. When I got in the car and opened the check, I realized it was a check for $200. Don't get me wrong. It's a nice gift. But it was not payment for the commissioned piece. Calculating the painting by the number of hours it took to complete the piece would have put the piece at (laughs) $2,500. Calculating the painting by subject matter and inches covered would put the piece at $3,000. Well, I never anticipated charging anything close to that amount. I also didn't expect to receive $200. That was just the cost of materials. I came home so upset. I was so distressed by it. It was the starving artist frustration all up in arms, telling my father what had happened, that they gave me $200, and how dare they. And he looked at me straight in the face, 
and said, well, there's two kinds of education in this world. One is scholastic. You read, you go to school, you learn. The other is the school of hard knocks. Both kinds of education will cost you something. This one just cost you (laughs) $2,000. You know, God gave me wisdom through that. God reserved me a front row seat in the school of hard knocks. I think Solomon went to this same school. What do you think happens when you become the king as a child? Picture that. I'll tell you what happens. The sharks smell blood. Rulers of nearby kingdoms start preparing their armies because a kid is king over in Israel. Your own advisors and generals start asking around for who would support them if they made a move for the throne. Solomon sat down in his first meeting, had his first diplomacy dilemma, and got a front row seat to the school of hard knocks. Look at 1 Kings chapter 2. As soon as David dies, someone uses Solomon's mom to make a move for power. Solomon has to set about day one with a sword. In that, Solomon realizes, I am not enough for what God has called me to do. You see, Solomon doesn't start off as wise. He starts off realizing that he is not sufficient, that he is inadequate. When you look at someone who is wise, you're looking at someone who has lived and made mistakes, lived and been cheated out of something lived and learned. They've made mistakes and had the humility to own them as mistakes. Wise people are people who realize that life gives you a form of education and they take notes often cost you something, time, money, stress, heartache, but it teaches you something. It teaches you that things are complicated, that oftentimes you're not enough for what needs to be done. Solomon asked God for a discerning heart and mind, discernment to choose between good and evil. It's this request for discernment that makes us think that Solomon is wise But the root of wisdom was this school of hard knocks. He wasn't enough, and he knew it. But, and this is an important but, he knew where to look for help. And that's what leads us to the famous court case that was talked about in the children's message a couple of minutes earlier. In this famous court case that Solomon judges, there's two women that come to him. And there's only one child, but they knew that they both had a child before. And in some unfortunate accident, now there's only one. And in this case, Solomon discerns a way to get the real mother to stand up. He pulls at a mother's heartstrings, knowing that all the mother will want for that child is life. Through this, Solomon learns who the real mom is. What's interesting is at the end of this court case, 1 Kings tells us that all of Israel heard the judgment that the king had judged. They had great awe for the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was within him to do justice. 
Israel saw that the wisdom of God was within him to do justice because Solomon could see what the right thing was. Wisdom is for the purpose of doing justice. Wisdom is living a just and right life. Wisdom has to do with having a discerning heart and discerning between good and evil. Those who are wise are those who have discerned what is good, what is righteous. Wisdom is not about being old or knowing the most or having the most experience or even the most expertise. Wisdom is doing the right thing, the righteous thing. This sort of wisdom takes time has to be cultivated. It takes bumps and bruises to get it. It takes a front row seat in the school of hard knocks. There is a warning in Solomon's story about wisdom. Solomon is a child when he becomes wise. He gets his seat in the school of hard knocks. He takes some punches and he runs to God for help. And through that, he becomes wise so wise that everyone begins to recognize it. They're like, have you heard of Solomon, that king over there in Israel? Man, I wish our king was as wise as he is. I mean, literally, the Bible says people come from neighboring lands to witness to his wisdom. Gold and horses and wives start to pour in. All the things he didn't ask for, all those things start to pour into his life. All of a sudden, Solomon has riches beyond imagination. As his riches and his fame grow, his sense of insufficiency begins to shrink. He begins to think of himself as wise. He begins to think of himself as sufficient. As Solomon grows old, he loses his wisdom. He starts behaving unjustly. He breaks God's law. He mistreats God's people. He builds himself up and he demands things. Imagine for me two magnets. And they're facing each other. They grab at each other. They basically leap at each other. That's how the school of hard knocks is with wisdom. That's what happens when we take on tough tasks, are willing to fail, are willing to be wrong. Suffering can reveal our true friends. It makes us wise. Unemployment can reveal our self-worth. It makes us wise. If we listen, these life lessons and wisdom grab at each other like magnets. Flip the magnets around. That's like wisdom and fame. Wisdom and riches. Wisdom and recognition. Flipping the magnet around. You can pull and you can press and you can squeeze, but those magnets are not going to attach to each other. Let me end with this. God has called you to work for his kingdom. Loving your family, loving yourself, loving your neighbor, loving your God. Anyone who is truly set out to love, to raise a child well, to treat a parent well, to care for a neighbor well, knows that life gets complicated. You are not enough for the tasks that God has called you to. You know what? You never will be. If you ever begin to think you are, run. Run to God because that magnet is flipping and wisdom will flee. 
But as long as you are willing to humble yourself, as long as you are willing to listen for God's voice, God will take that school of hard knocks and God will use it. He will shape you. He will equip you. Solomon's father was a shepherd. A shepherd. He was equipped for tending sheep. And God equipped him to be a king, a great king. We've got youth who need mentors. We've got Sunday school classes that need your insight. We've got neighbors who need some love. You're right. You're not up to it. Realizing it is the root of wisdom. The God who gives wisdom to children, the God who makes even shepherds into kings, is more than enough. He is calling out (coughs) to you. He is saying, what do you need to do what I have called you to? Ask, and I will start equipping you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look at Solomon and we realize that his wisdom was in knowing to turn to you. So even now we turn to you, asking that you would equip us to do those things you've called us to. And when those feelings of inadequacy and insufficiency creep in, remind us to call to you for help. Because it is in you that we are made to be more than enough. Pray this in Christ's name.